bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensa Otterville. And now, today's word. Today I'm going to deal with a, a very, very uh, interesting, challenging, sometimes confusing topic. And this is my part 11 of Life in the Spirit. And I'm answering the question, can a demon possess the spirit of a believer? Can the spirit of a believer be demon possessed? It's a question that people ask all the time, and sometimes there, there are confusing answers, um, and so on. So I'm going to hopefully help answer that question. Now, when I say a believer, because that is the qualifying word, I mean a person who trusts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Their sins have been forgiven and Christ lives in their hearts. That's what I called a believer. The person trusts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Their sins have been forgiven and Christ lives in their hearts. Church leaders have varying views on this. And I'm sure uh, once you listen to radio and TV and listen to all kinds of preachers, you also have some ideas. The views range from one extreme end to the other. On the one end, those who don't believe uh, in demons at all and, and, and the devil and the ability to possess people. There are people who say that it's all rubbish, it doesn't happen. And then on the other extreme end, those who believe that all people, including those who are born again and have the Holy Spirit in them, can be demon-possessed. So that is also one extreme view. So where does the New Testament stand on this matter? Now, in order to establish what the Bible teaches, we have to separate ourselves from experiences. One of the dangers of Pentecostals and Charismatics is that we elevate experience to theology. So somebody will say, I saw it happen. Oh, we went to a prayer meeting and this happened. Or so-and-so man of God said that. And, and so that is it. Experiences are good. But experiences are not the basis for Christian belief. Because experiences are very, very valid. The foundation of Christian belief is what Jesus Christ taught and what the apostles of Jesus taught. Until we establish that as the basis, we cannot arrive at any truth. Because one pastor would say, well, I pray for 10 people and they manifested and so and so happened. Another person would say, well, somebody in my chest screamed or there was a service and so and so happened. Yeah, that's experience. And we have to put experience out and examine the scripture and what the scripture teaches. So that our experience will conform to scripture and not scripture conform to our experience. I hope you understand that. It's very important because if we don't do that, so many things people say, I saw it with my eyes. It happened. It's true. Yes, it happened. But that is not the basis of Christianity. The teachings of Christ 
are the foundations of our Christian faith. So I'm going to stick with Jesus Christ basically and then I will go a bit to what uh, Paul also said. All right. So let's start with Mark's Gospel chapter 1 and verses 32 to 34. Mark's Gospel chapter 1, 32 to 34. And it reads, At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak. That's a very interesting uh, observation about Jesus. He didn't enter into conversation with demons. Uh, He did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So in this passage, we are introduced to the word demon-possessed. Demon-possessed. What? Does it mean to be demon possessed? Basically, it means to be affected by a demon. Daimonizomai, that's the Greek word. It means to be, if you were literally translating it into English, it would be to be demonized or to be affected by a demon. So the degree of effect is not stated. The impact of it is not stated. It simply means the person has been affected by a demon. And that is what uh, the phrase demon possession means. To be affected by a demon. Generally, there are three uh, levels of affecting by demons. The first one is a person Operating by an evil spirit or a person operating by a demonic spirit. Uh, That is when a person allows themselves to be used by an evil spirit. In that case, their spirit, their soul, and their body become paths or mediums or avenues for the demon to use. This includes occultists, psychics, what we normally call juju. That is a person uh, who allows themselves to be used by a demon. And when a person allows themselves to be used by a demon so they can foretell the future, read people more or less, say things about people, and sometimes even get into so-called healing but all through a non-Christ-centered approach, then they are allowing a demon to use them. So that is one uh, way of demon possession, a person who allows a demon to use them. It includes uh, astrologists and, and other such people. The second is a person who is owned by a demon or an evil spirit. This is when a person's spirit, mind, and body is taken over by an evil spirit. And it can manifest in very destructive patterns of behavior. Like the man Jesus met in the Gadarenes who lived among tombs and cut himself and self-destroyed. 
Uh, and so that, at that point you say that a demon owns the person. The person is beside themselves. They don't have control over themselves. It doesn't mean that every mental illness is demon uh, possession. That's not what it means. But demon possession uh, can manifest in a way that looks like mental illness but will not be exactly mental illness. So that there is a person owned by a demon. And then the third is a person oppressed by an evil spirit. Oppressed by an evil spirit is that the evil spirit is attacking them or hitting them from outside. And sometimes they, he can oppress their minds with confusion or their bodies. Uh, Paul actually said that a messenger of Satan, uh, basically an evil spirit, was sent to buffet his body. Buffet his body. Not his spirit, but his body. Demon, uh, when we say a person is oppressed, it can take different forms. But it is acting from outside, not from inside him. It's an outside attack, not an inside possession. So I hope you see the three uh, different ways in which we can say a person has been uh, affected by a demon. So these things can happen. For purposes of today's message, I'm focusing on the first and second groups. I'm not focusing on the third group, oppression. I may deal with it another time. I, in fact, I have a plan to actually deal with the whole scope of this uh, demon possession and, and dealing with evil spirits. But I'm not going to deal with number three, oppressed by an evil spirit. I'm dealing basically with number one and two operating and owned by an evil spirit. So the question is, can a person who belongs to Christ, born again, also belong to the devil? And I'm not talking about temptation or having a spiritual attack. I'm talking about when we say that an evil spirit has taken over the spirit of a believer. Can a believer so filled with God's spirit, also have a demon living inside their spirit. Not attacking their body, but living inside their spirit. That's the question we want to answer. Now, for us to answer that question, we have to go and listen to Jesus Christ. And what Jesus says about his followers... Those of us who follow him, those of us who say Jesus is our Lord, those of us who say we believe in him as our Savior and he lives in our heart. What did he say about us? And Jesus said some pretty interesting things. John chapter 10 verse 27 to 30. John 10, 27 to 30. This is Jesus talking about his followers. He calls his followers his sheep. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this applies to you. He calls his followers his sheep. Now I want you to listen to what Jesus said about his sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. These are very categorical statements. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. 
and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So what did Jesus say about his followers? Two main things. He says, I give eternal life to my sheep, to my followers. Eternal life is a life that God or Christ gives to us. He does not give eternal life to our bodies. Because you know your body doesn't have eternal life. He doesn't give eternal life to our souls. He gives eternal life to our spirits. So when Jesus says, I give eternal life to my, my sheep, he's talking about a spiritual experience. When a person says, I am born again, that is what he's talking about. They have eternal life. And where does the eternal life operate? It operates in their spirits, not in their bodies. When you say, I am born again, you don't mean your body has become new. Your body is still the same. You don't even mean that your soul or your mind has been renewed. Your mind is still the same. When you say you are born again, the part of you that is born again is your spirit. So this that Jesus is talking about concerning his followers is about a spiritual transformation that takes place in their spirits. I give them eternal life. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life and the eternal life is in your spirit not in your body not in your mind but in your spirit a spiritual experience Jesus in talking about the born again experience to Nicodemus talked about that which is born of the flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit Being born again is a spiritual experience. Eternal life is a spiritual experience. So I want you to get that. He's talking about a spiritual experience. Now Jesus says, in addition to the fact that he gives eternal life, he says they shall never perish. They shall never perish. And then he makes a very profound statement, second one. He says, no one can take my sheep from my hand. No one can take my sheep from my hand. It's a very categorical statement. Once he gives you eternal life, no one can take you from his hand. And as a matter of fact, Jesus repeated that statement. And I've talked about when we encounter repetitions in the scripture. Then he says, no one can take them from my father's hand. And then he concludes by saying, I and the Father are one. So you can't take them from my hand. You can't take them from my Father's hand. Because me and the dad, we are together. We are one. You can't take eternal, the one who has eternal life from the hand of Jesus. Nor from the hand of the Father. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is talking about the security of those who are in him. If you are in him, he says no one can take you from his hand. No one. And if you think, well, Jesus, Jesus, he says the father too. 
Because if you have eternal life, not only are you in my hand, you are also in the Father's hand. You are hidden with Christ in God. So he says, no one can take you from my hand. So this is Jesus speaking. Not your experience, not my experience, this is Jesus. Then we'll examine something Jesus said about demons, demon possession, and how it works. So let's look at what Jesus said about demon possession. Luke chapter 11, verses 21 to 26. It's important to get the context within which Jesus is speaking. Jesus is casting out demons. And some of the Jews came and said, hey, 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 you are not casting out demons properly. You are doing it with the power of the devil himself. Then Jesus said, well, I mean, how can the devil fight himself? And if he is fighting against himself, it means that his kingdom has no power and, and so on. So the context he's talking about is demon possession. That's the context Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about uh, some other subject. He's talking Properly in contest demon possession. So this is what it says. When a strong man. Fully armed. Guards his own. Palace. His goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him. And overcomes him. He takes from him all his armor. In which he trusted. And divides his spoils. Oh I love that. He who is not with me is against me. He who is, does not gather with me scatters. Then he expands on what he just said. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. That's Jesus' statement. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.